0: A big hello and welcome to everybody to episode number 14 of the Hard Yards and this week's guest on the Hard Yards is also one of my youngest guests so far at a tender age of 24. I'm guessing he's had a fair bit of fast learning to do however in his career so far and certainly has shared some highs and lows already in his young career. It's a fascinating story of origin and we'll delve into that as we chat but for now he resides right here in Brisbane and in fact he's a member of nudgy golf club where I've just started working so no doubt I'm going to be seeing a lot more of this guy as the weeks go by uh, because he does love his golf just like me. It gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest as none other than Maddie Renshaw, former left-hand opening batsman of the Australian Test cricket team. Welcome to the Hard Yards, Matty.
1: Thanks for having me. Cheers.
0: Mate, uh, as we touch on that, you know it's an interesting time this COVID time, isn't it? And you know I've certainly seen you in the last or well, last week out at uh, at Nudgee Golf Club, and I know you're an avid golfer. But um, fair bit of golf being played by a lot of cricketers around Australia at the moment. Tell us what's been happening for you with with COVID, and and um, and what looks like it's on the horizon for you as well.
1: Yeah, so we I actually had finished my season when COVID hit. Um, I think one. One Shield game and then the final got cancelled. But I was um, I was out of the team at that time, so it didn't really affect me too much. My club season had finished, so um, I was supposed to be going on holiday to America, supposed to go and watch the Masters. Um,
0: Were you really? Yeah,
1: had um, had everything lined up, ready to go, um, and then had to cancel the holiday, unfortunately. Which would have been my first time in America, first time in the Masters, would have been awesome. But it's
0: unbelievable.
1: Yeah, pretty that That bit hurts the fact that I couldn't take masters, um, but then after that, just um, a couple of months at home and a lot of golf um, i think i've pl- 've played an absolute lot of golf in the last <laughs> three four months i think in my um in my Go- golf Australia handicap, the last twenty rounds have been before after twelfth of June
0: oh wow, so um, yeah, i' had
1: to take a break on Sunday because I was just <laughs> Uh, absolutely exhausting. it was just getting so frustrating <laughs> Keep feeling like I'm about to break par and finish with 9 or 10 over It's just so frustrating
0: <laughs> Welcome to the world of golf my friend, welcome, welcome, welcome How does it, um, what about cricket? Is there, is there cricket happening at the moment? Is there, you know, did you just, were you able to just put it on the back burner and, and is that the first time you've been able to sort of not, you know, hit balls in the nets for as long as you can remember?
1: Yeah, it's, it's pro- I probably um, went back um, start of, oh, end of May. Um, well, that's when we could sort of start getting back into hitting balls. But for those two months between then, I don't think I touched my cricket bag. Um, I think after what happened last season, having that break and then the the extended break of COVID probably was really good for me. And, and wanting I wanted to wait until I really wanted to get back into it. Like it was yeah. it wasn't like oh, I had to get back into training like pre season started. I was like proper itching, ready to go and, and go and hit cricket balls with with my old man, something that i I've been doing for the last twenty years. So I think mean, that was when you sort of know that you're ready and, and then that was that was a good kickstart into pre season, um, where we've we've actually been doing a lot of training this year with Queensland. We've like we've been doing a lot of fitness stuff which is expected in pre season, but the facilities we get up here in Queensland is amazing. Like we get sun, it's 20, 23 degrees and on in a winter's day it's beautiful. And we get turf wickets, which a lot of the southern states don't get. So we've actually been utilizing them this year, which has been really good. And yeah, just waiting to see what the season looks like where none of us are sure what's gonna happen in terms of domestic or international, but we sort of just have to play the waiting game and hopefully we get we get some cricket in.
0: Yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? And I guess a part of the good the good part about that I suppose is that all Australian cricketers are in the same boat. So I'm guessing that, you know, whether it's you, you up here in Queensland or it's the New South Wales boys or the Vic boys, all of the um Aussie representatives must be in town and training alongside you.
1: Yeah, um it's actually quite strange. We've got a full squad for pre-season, so we've got like the likes of Marnus around, we've got Joe Burns around, which you, you don't really get a lot of the time in a preseason. So I think that's that's a really good positive for the young guys, uh, having guys like Marnus around, talking about batting. Um, yeah, so I think that's really good. And I think it makes it better for us training as a squad. Um, I don't really know what's going on down in Victoria, but obviously with their restrictions, yeah, it, sure. there's talks of them going into hubs and... Um, Like, all of us going to hubs, we're not really sure. We've just got to sort of play the waiting game to see what Cricket Australia have to say.
0: It's very fluid, isn't it? What about financially as far as that goes for professional cricketers? I've got no idea what happens financially in in a COVID time for you guys. So, you know, how does that play out when you're not Um, playing cricket?
1: I'm not too sure either. (laughs) I think if we play play all our cricket, we should um, all get paid. But I think, yeah, it just depends on what sort of cricket happens in the year. Obviously there's priorities Cricket Australia have which um, is gonna be interesting what their decisions are, but yeah, hopefully we all all get um, all get some cricket in and get paid as well. So so,
0: so your your uh Monday, Wednesday, Friday Stableford competition at nudgie and getting those important um, you know, golf shop credits are, are more important than ever at the moment.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's there's times <laughs> where you sort of You've got a chance to play golf, and you, and you've got to make the most of it. But the last couple of weeks have been quite busy, so I haven't been able to get my Monday, Wednesday, Friday in. But i t- we we played. Um, a group of us were always booked in Monday morning at six thirty. First group off. I think me and my old man got round in two hours eighteen on yeah. a Monday morning, and I have thirty ninety and thirty eight or something like that. So both had a pretty good morning and I was at training by nine o'clock, ready to, ready to go. It's the best
0: of every world, isn't it? Hey, bit of golf in the morning and oh, go and hit a few minutes.
1: day. It, it's a bit early though. Yeah. Not a massive morning person, but when golf comes in, you, you sort of set the alarm and just get ready to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How is it with, you were just talking about Marnus there before. I find it interesting thinking about that and that, you know, having guys like Marnus there to sort of, you know, talk, talk batting over with. And obviously you're both top order batsmen. Uh, for, those, um, for those out there listening in, um, you know, Matt, tell us a little bit about your background. But, you know, it, Matt's a batsman at the top end of the, the order in cricket and Marnus as well. Marnus has arrived on the Australian scene in Test cricket over the last 12 months in a big way. But you were obviously, you arrived on the scene a little bit earlier, a few years back. So, I find it an interesting discussion point to talk to you about the fact that you're you know do you see him as someone that you know you 're going to him, or is it a two way discussion on batting
1: i think the the good thing with manus i like 've known him for i played against him in year ten he was in year yeah, 12. Right. he got he got me out um, <laughs> which he doesn 't let me forget and i don 't let him forget i got him out once <laughs> but um but yeah like I so he debuted for Queensland before me, right? Um, a year before me, and then we played a lot. Like we've played a lot of cricket together now, and so we're we're really like we have a lot of arguments in terms of on field. Like if we're training against each other, it's full on, like yeah, all one. guns blazing. But like we're really good at at talking about stuff, and like obviously Manus is having an unbelievable last twelve months, so. Yes you'd be silly not to talk to him about like how he's changed his game. Like I'm watching him from 2014 to now it's a completely different game. So if you can tick, if you can go into that and have a, have a talk to him and see what he's sort of thought about, because I think most of it's mental for Manus. Like obviously there's a few technical aspects there, but he's churning out hundreds now, which um, as soon as you start churning out hundreds and, and get into a routine of that, it's, it's a game changer in cricket and, and it's something that you've got to talk to him about, see if there's anything you can pick up. Cause if he, if he just says something off the cuff and you go, Oh, I might try that and it works, then beauty. And, and then you're, you're on your way. And I think try and not, you take your ego out of it. And, and like,
0: he's a, he's a
1: ripper bloke. So it's great to yeah. talk
0: to him. Yeah, yeah. Feeding off each other. And, and you know, at the end of the day, we're all, well, you guys are playing together in the same state and, looking to represent the same country. Just on that, born in England, the old foe, and yet you're playing cricket for Australia. Was there any thought growing up, you know, you arrived in Australia as about a 10 year old, I think I read, and um, after a little bit of time in New Zealand as well. So, you know, we were the third third country mate, and uh, yet we're the number one choice to play cricket for. So how does that process take place? And, and was there any thought of playing for England?
1: Yeah, so I I don't really like I didn't ever supported New Zealand. Obviously, there was New Zealand cricketers that I liked, um, but I never really supported New Zealand. I think that's Mum and Dad being English, whole family being English. You support England, and coming over here, um, it was fun to be that English guy. But then it got to the sort of stage that where I was um, like playing a relatively high level of like junior cricket. And there was that, oh, this the standard question was always, oh, who would you rather play for, England and Australia? Yeah. And when I was growing up, it was all, oh, England, England. But then you sort of got to that age where you're like, oh, Australia would be cool. Like, you start, your favourite player starts being Australian, um, which changes it up. And then I've, I played in the Queensland 17s carnival. Um, and you sort of like, oh, I just playing for, like, Queensland 17s. You never really expect to be... Like going into cricket, had a good 17s, had a good 19s and um, ended up playing 2nd eleven cricket for Queensland when I was 17, I think it was. Yeah, 17. And um, so I went over to England to play for the MCC Young Cricketers and as I was flying over there, there were, I had a meeting with Terry Oliver just before and he was like, don't sign anything. We're thinking about signing you over here. So Terry, Oliver's,
0: I, Terry Oliver's Cricket Australia?
1: Uh, no, he was the Queensland Cricket High Performance Manager at that time. Right. So um, he's gone. Don't sign anything with. We're thinking. We're talking about signing you here, but we we can't. Like, there's nothing set in stone. So I've gone over there. I'm like, do I sign something there? I've got the English passport, um, and Yorkshire were interested in signing me when I first got over there. So yeah, wow. Like. Just flown to England, my 18, literally my 18th birthday, Queensland offered me a contract and I'm like ringing dad, it's like 1am over here, just like, what do I do? And I think the whole time I just knew I wanted to stay in Australia. So I was like, it's a rookie contract, who who knows what's going to happen, but like, I, I want to play for Queensland. I played all my junior stuff through Queensland, yeah, like sure. Queensland under 12s and yeah, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'm playing for Queensland. I want to try and do that." And then the next two years, it was just a roller coaster. How quickly it happened, and then I was walking out, playing for Australia against Africa. It was happened so quickly, I would never have guessed it.
0: Talk us through that. So, you know, you, you you've signed your contract. You've obviously come back to Australia, and your runs, making runs, is your currency. Uh, as a batsman, so was it just you know numbers of runs? Was it just sliding doors opportunity that came and you know somehow you got picked? You know, talk us through that.
1: Well, my that first, like, I came back from England had a had a pretty decent time over in England and then came back and literally couldn't buy a run. Um, was getting uh, caught down leg side, like just having an having an absolute shocker. And it was my dad's first year coaching Turnbull. Um so I was just playing club cricket for Toonball, yeah. having a just having a stinker and, and having no idea what I could do. And I've just gone like, it around, you mean? Yeah, like I just literally um had no idea what was going on. I just couldn't score a run. Um and then when went hundred hundred and got picked in the Shield team, like it was that that sort of quick that yeah, wow. um made my debut, didn't didn't really get any there. The next year, sort of churned out a, a few runs, and then the year I got picked, I was actually so I was playing one day cricket for the first time. Like I'd never been a one day cricketer, um, playing one day cricket for the first time. I tore my meniscus in one of the one days. I uh, was out for six weeks, um, which um, so I had to play club cricket on a Saturday, um, up the sunny coast. Played a two day, but it was the first weekend. So I'm captain. I've walked out for the toss. I've lost the toss and I knew I was only available for one weekend and I've just gone, oh, no. I'm going to have to field all weekend, like I'm not going to get a bat. Um, I'm going to have to go into the shield game without any batting practice and the opposing um, skipper was like, no, we'll have a bowl. And I, I sort of double-taked. I was like, what? what? You're choosing to bowl? Like why are you choosing to bowl? It's awesome. Like I'll I love to bat. So I made, I made 50 that day. Shield game started on the Thursday and Australia just lost that test in Hobart where they got bowled out twice very cheaply. So all the, all the test guys went back to shield cricket, um, made 100 in the first innings um, and then like literally out of nowhere my name got popped up in one of those Cricket Australia articles being like, could Matt Renshaw be a Smokey into the next test? I was like, no, nah, that can't be. Then I made fifty in What's the second. Like
0: how old were you here? You were I 19, was 20. twenty. Twenty.
1: Okay. And I and then I made fifty in the second innings and I was like, I just can't like can't get picked. Um, and so then the more, just
0: your, you know, are, are other players in the Queensland team talking to you at this stage about the possibilities, or you just saw the article and you kind of, you know, mulling it over in your own head, or with your mates, or with your mum and dad, or like this um, can't happen.
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. Like, I think a few of the guys sort of had an idea, but no, I hadn't, I just had no idea. I just didn't think it could happen. Yeah. And then, so the morning, it was Sunday morning, day four of the game, we had to bowl South Australia out uh, to win the game. And I've woken up and I'd left my phone charger at the ground, just me being me. I had no way of charging my phone. <laughs> so I'd turn my phone on airplane the home mode. Yet? Pardon?
0: Was it a home
1: game? Were you in? Yeah, at the Gabba. Yeah. Um, just be being an absolute idiot, just forgetting phone charges, being late, all that sort of thing. Um, so I I turn my phone on airplane mode. Um, so I set so I could wake up. Like I set my alarm. I woke up, checked my phone. I'd like had six missed calls from mum and dad, and three missed calls from Trevor Holmes head of selectors. And I was like, no, it can't be. So i rung dad, and he's like mate, just ring Trevor Holmes, don't worry about me. Um, so I rang him and he's like, yeah, mate, you've, you've been picked in um, the next test. If you guys win early, you'll be heading to Adelaide tonight. And I was like, what? Like, it just <laughs> felt, I was playing club cricket last Saturday and Sunday morning I've been selected in the test side. Wow, um, that's fast, isn't it? Yeah, it was like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, no, this has got to be a stitch up somehow. Um,
0: I, I'm, a, I'm a sports tragic and, and, you know, I'm sure you know that already. But um, when you just told me that story, I have goosebumps all over at getting that phone call from the national. I mean, I, I wanted to play for Australia when I was a kid growing up as well. And obviously chose a different direction at, at 15 and went down the golf path. But, um, you know, hearing a story about somebody getting the, that, that call, up, just, you know, carry on, carry on, tell me more.
1: Yeah, so I I got to the ground and everyone knew that the like the selectors had called, and so Joe Burns had just been in the um in the team and then had to come back to Shield Cricket didn't didn't do well and obviously like we're both openers I've been I've been picked he's been dropped and he walked over to me like really quiet and he's just like did you get picked mate and I was like yeah and he was like congrats mate that's like awesome gave me a big hug and. Like after that, that was that was awesome. Just having someone like him come up and being like, "Yeah, like I know you've taken my spot, but I'm I'm really happy for you." And that, and that's a credit to Joe. Like that must like,
0: be so tough.
1: Yeah, I've I've had the same feeling as well. Like when when I got dropped, I was sort of like, "Oh, that sucks." But you see, like, so I got dropped in Dubai, and Manus got played his Test debut. So you're like you're so happy for Manus, Like you've watched him go, but inside you're just like, this is really hard because you, you want to be playing, but like it's his opportunity. And that's, that's the way life and cricket works.
0: Oh, it's unbelievable. So poor old Joey Burns, your, your mate from Queensland is, is out and you're in and you're packing your bags to go to Adelaide. What's it like? You know, what's it like, I mean, I, can't, I can only imagine the emotions flying down there, uh, arriving, you know, walking in to see the guys that you've watched playing for Australia for the last X amount of years because, you know, there's a bunch of them who you would have watched on TV um, playing for Australia and now you're a part of the squad. How do you, do you feel like you should be or is there an element no. of, yeah, is there a so I... element of...
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've always, like, I don't know if... So, in FIFA in the last few years, they had this, like, the journey. So, yes. you go from being, like, this club club football player to playing, like, Premier League football. And it's, like, so cool. Yeah. I'll just imagine that. So, like, I've flown down to um, Adelaide with Uzi Khawaja. Uh I've got no idea what I'm doing. I'm in the pants that they gave me last night, like, brand-new polo. I had no idea. I've got all my all my um, Queensland bags. I've got like a normal backpack. And so I'm sitting in the in the corner in row 12 in the, in the window seat, just looking out as we're flying over the Adelaide Oval. You can see them rolling the pitch. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to be out there on Thursday. Um, Are you
0: feeling sick? Are you feeling- yeah, I'm
1: feeling sick. And then all of a sudden over the, um, over the announcing, they're going, oh, I'd just like to wish Matt Renshaw luck on Thursday and his test day. I'm just like... Well, it's like, I'm <laughs> flying over Adelaide Oval. Um, so I get to the hotel, like, through the airport, I'm, like, pushing my bags through, there's cameras everywhere because Faf Duplessis just walked through with his lollies and whatever's going on. And I'm just, like, I think I've watched the footage. I'm literally following Uzi around, just being, like, what do I do now, what do I do now? Get to the um, hotel, there's a little big box in my hotel room, all the Cricket Australia kit, like it's like Christmas, you're like, Oh, yeah. you gotta try it all on, see if it fits, see how you look. Um, and we had monitoring or, or something like that in in the team room. So I've like fully kitted up, like no idea what I'm doing. Walk down to the team room and all the boys are in like ASICs trackies and just like in real chilled out kit. I'm in my full like trading kit. Um, and obviously, I've never, I've never played against any of the, the guys before, the so I've guys. never met them. Yeah, wow. So, like, I walk up and shake Steve Smith's hand and, and say, like, hi, I'm Matt, nice to meet you. And I, I'm, about, I'm playing four days away from playing a test with them. Um,
0: Unbelievable. And then
1: it, it was just weird, like, that whole week. It, it's just like someone else said, um, someone else was doing it and I had cameras through their eyes.
0: Yeah, wow, that's an interesting way to put it. How, how, you know, what advice have you got for that next generation of young player that might be listening in, in whatever code they, you know, are following, whether it's cricket or AFL or rugby league or golf or or whatever, when they get these opportunities? Because, you know, for for good players, opportunities will come their way, right? And it's so critical to grab them, isn't it? You know, when you get your opportunity. So, what did you learn that week, or how did you go about? you know, the next four days leading into the first test, you know, what, what advice can you be giving, you know, this next generation of, of performer coming through?
1: Yeah, I think this, the standard one you always get is you got picked for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and your, your ability is good enough. Otherwise, you, would, you wouldn't have been picked in the first place if people didn't think your ability was good enough. So it's, I think that's...
0: It is, it is a standard one, isn't it? But did you believe that?
1: Not really, because I was, I was just thinking, like, I've got to go up and face Rabada, who's one of the best bowlers in the world. I was literally watching him two weeks ago, bowling <laughs> 155Ks at the wacker, just bowling absolute rapid. i would have like,
0: never faced that speed. No. I can't And
1: imagine. so I'm, I'm like, how am I going to do this? Um, then you sort of, your instincts just take over when you're out there. And I remember, so we bowled first, which I was really happy with.
0: Before, sorry, um, before, you, before you tell this part of it. Yep. Is your net sessions, I would imagine, leading into the test then, if you've never faced someone like that, facing the guys in the Aussie squad, your Mitchell Starks and whoever else was in the side, surely that becomes a really critical part of your preparation?
1: Oh, I'm, I've never faced any of them either. So I've, I've walked into my first net session and I'm facing Stark Hazelwood i got no idea what 's going on and and that 's where you sort of instincts take over you just in you 're in the contest you sort of got to think like they 're just another bowler obviously they the, the statue stature that they are you 've got to go okay this is you've sort of just got to enjoy it like you 've got to embrace that you 're a young guy facing these guys in practice, and obviously it 's going to be full on but if you're the, – there's always that saying, if you practice harder than the game, it's going to be easier. Yes. So I knew I, – I think I got through those sessions without getting out. And so That's I've gone, great. okay. Do I, you
0: go into those sessions in your net when it's your turn to go in? Is it like, right, I'm going out in the middle here and I'm going to bat a session?
1: Yeah. It, it, I think with, with my training, obviously, with cricket, you might only get 15, 20 minutes to, to bat in the net. Yep. And I always say, if you've got a small amount of time to practice, practice your start of your innings. Because if you look at most dismissals in cricket, they're always in the first 20, 30 balls. Yeah, sure so if you, can, if you can practice the first 20, 30 balls in the nets and it's Stark Hazelwood with a brand new ball, and you get through that, then you can go out in the middle. Nets are always so much more confined that it feels way more, way quicker. Yes. So if you go out in the middle, everything's going to be slowed down and that's when you get into your rhythm. And,
0: and it becomes a confidence builder too, right? So, yeah. Which is absolutely critical in sport. You know, that's where you're suffering with your golf at the moment, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> confidence isn't there and we'll fix no, that I when we catch up for a lesson. Now. But um, yeah, that's awesome. And I'm imagining if you get through a net session against, you know, some of the best bowlers in the world in the Australian team, you, you've got to grow a leg or two. So did you feel like as the sessions and as the week went on, Matt Renshaw, yeah, you,
1: you maybe you do belong here, mate, you know? Yeah. And I think, so, this leads on to um, my first innings. We, yes. So, we fielded first, duplicy declared randomly out of nowhere, which normally as a, an, an opener going into the night, you're sort of like, oh, will we bat tonight, will, will we not? And that, that's where you, your nervousness comes in. But when he just declared like that, I just sprinted off. Um, and I just literally had to get ready. It was the, one of the coldest nights in Adelaide that I've ever um, seen because uh, it was the day-night test. How uh, I just remember
0: running off the field to pad up?
1: Oh, you just didn't have time, which is yeah, one. Of, I think probably a good thing. That's that's why I love opening because you you don't have time to think. And as a as a young guy, I had yeah. so many like I just I was so jittery. I was moving around so much. I had full of energy that. If I got out there and opened and batting, I didn't have to wait to bat. Because, like, that's that's the worst part. Even now, like, I wait to bat. I'm sort of just like, what what do I do? Like, do I sit here? Do I listen to music? Do I like, The last couple of years in one day cricket, I've just been trying to work out what to do while I was waiting to bat. So I've gone out there and batted. And the first few balls, you sort of, like, you're nervous. You, you're fully switched on. You're, like, moving quite – you're, like, trying to stay sharp. I remember I tried to...
0: Do you have, do you develop patterns of movement like, you know, pre shot routines in golf? Do you have a routine that you, you know, you religiously do over and over, Matt, when you take your crease, you set up, you, you know, you have a certain amount of bat taps or, you know, is, is it routine like?
1: Yeah, there's, there's definite routines. I think a lot of the time it subconscious takes over. Yeah. Um, right. But obviously, like, I have a routine where between balls, I walk off to square leg. Yep. So I just walk off to square leg, I'm um, like, just look around, just try and, like, you obviously do all your checklist about the last ball, what you're, you're thinking about the bowler doing. Um, and then it got, it got to a weird stage where I sort of, I could hear the crowd, but I was just that zoned in that night. That I was just watching the ball, and there was I think there was like 40,000 people yeah, there. But specific. it was almost like just a centre wicket practice at one stage. Like that's all I re- like remember about that night. Like I've watched right. it back, but I can't. I couldn't tell you how like how many leaves I had, how many balls I faced, and that sort of thing. I just remember it sort of being in this like big, like because um, I'd played there before. It was like a big centre wicket, and I didn't notice the crowd.
0: Amazing. Yeah, they were uh, willing a young twenty-year-old Australian debutant on.
1: Yeah, I um, I tried to flick one of my pads and it came off my pad, off my fire pad, and I'd run two, and the crowd were cheering because obviously the first test runs the the crowd likes to get behind, yeah. and I'm inside knowing that I've not got anywhere near it, and all this crowd, <laughs> so I'm laughing to myself, and then the the umpire calls leg like buys, and the whole crowd just starts Boo. booing you know, like. <laughs> That's just really funny. Oh,
0: that's awesome. But it's quite relaxing, almost a relaxing moment for you as yeah. well. What was it like when you did get one, you know, that first test run?
1: Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool feeling. Like, you're like, okay, sweet. Like, I've got a test run. No one can take that away from you. Um, but I think – so I got through that night. I think it was eight overs. But at that time, that was when I was like, yeah, I'm. I can do this. You get through eight overs – pitch black, pink ball, brand new, like you're like, yeah, I can. it doesn't get any harder than that. So I think that's where you've got to take confidence from going forward.
0: Was there any indication going into that, that, that test match against South Africa, your first from selectors about, okay, Maddie, you've got two tests, you've got five tests, you know, or are you really just there thinking, all right, I have to perform? Or like me, when I was playing club cricket a week and a half ago, there could be the next guy coming in.
1: Um, no, I think at that time I wasn't really too stressed because I was I was 20 years old. I was like, this is awesome. I'm just going to try and enjoy every moment. Um, even, But then even after I made 100 in my fourth test, even after that I thought I was going to get dropped. Like I thought I was going to get dropped any moment, but... I was just that I was having that much fun that I wasn't thinking too much about that. Whereas if I probably had that now, I'd be like, oh, I'm about to get dropped. I'm about to get dropped. Yeah. It's just when you're, when you're a 20 year old, you don't have too many cares in the world. You're just like, this is awesome. I'm opening the batting for Australia. Yeah.
0: Let's, let's go out there and enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. You, you became, I think from memory reading it earlier today, the fastest, no, the youngest, Youngest player to ever get to 500 runs, I think playing Test cricket for Australia. Pretty amazing stat. Um, so then, what's it like when you do get you missed a, you missed a match in uh, got a head knock in you were saying in Dubai, missed a match through concussion protocol or?
1: Yeah. So initially, um, my first dropping, um, I just we had three or four Shield games before the Ashes. Yes, and um, so everyone, all the home ashes, home ashes when yep. when we won five nil, all all test players were there and playing great cricket, um, shield cricket, and it's just basically like battle for runs. Like if you got runs, you're going to get picked. And I think yep. I'm I just needed like one fifty or something like that just to sort of cement my spot. Yeah. But then it just I just couldn't score a run. Lars like Were you planning
0: thinking about that?
1: By the end, I was. Yeah. I'd I'd be batting and I'd be like, I need to score runs. I need to score runs. And then I'd get out and then I'd just be at home reading the comments being like, why what's Renshaw doing? All like, oh, that stuff that you just sh- shouldn't do, I was doing because I was 21, 21, young, was about to be dropped the first time. You're like, Ashes series against England, you're like, I just want to play. I want to everyone, do as Everyone game.
0: wants to be a part of that.
1: That's, that's one of those times I've learned where the tr- harder you try, the just the worse it's going to be for sometimes. Like the more you want something, if you just keep wanting it, obviously there's there's the whole like if you want it and you, you try hard, you're going to succeed. But for me that time, I just wanted it so bad it just didn't work.
0: Yeah. And you were doing, as you said, you know, living, living in a modern age where, you know, social media is – so prevalent and so, man, brutal. Absolutely brutal. If you if you're not careful, it can have a negative effect on you as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's what a lot of people don't understand. Obviously, like um, you read, you see comments about um, big bash or like someone's someone's dropped a catch, and people are just getting absolutely hosed on. social media it's like where people like where people too i know that sounds terrible but like you see what some people have to go through and they're they're literally like that you can see how much they're hurting because they've they've done something that joe blow on the laptop's never taken a catch ever but he can he's got the ability to spray people online
0: yeah and i think i think you're right because i think you know, having played a couple of cricket matches recently in the last couple of years, we have a cricket match, a uh, charity match in New Zealand before the New Zealand Open every year. And uh, Stephen Fleming, who, uh, yeah, obviously New Zealand, great New Zealand cricketer and then and then coach of the Stars. Uh, I played a bit of golf with him when the Stars came into town. And, and uh, so he said, oh, come and play this charity match, you know. And I'd played cricket as a young fella, but I've forgotten. I think you forget how hard a cricket ball is, right? And when they get belted at you, I'm just blown away. It doesn't seem like guys break their hands or break their fingers that much, but are, are, there, are there more than what we see?
1: Yeah, so I've, I've broken one finger and dislocated two. That's it? Yeah. I mean, that's and not I, much. That's probably done well.
0: Yeah, that's not much, I don't yeah. reckon.
1: It always seems to be the ones you drop that, that do damage.
0: Yeah. Catch it on the end or on the side. Yeah. Or, or I the broke middle.
1: my finger a couple of years ago practicing. Like It was a one, one more catch and we're done. And I've just literally got one on the end of that finger and it's just blown up and I had to, had to come home from England and have surgery. So like it's that sort of – it can just happen like that. You just never know. I'm.
0: I'm uh, currently the living proof of that, my friend. It was one yeah. more layup, and I'm going inside to watch the Broncos. And uh, next minute, I'm. Yeah, in hospital uh, with a ripping, ripping cut to my head. So I know that feeling well. Yeah. The, so the, the that was your first dropping, and <clears throat> talk us through the adversity or the difficulties of getting hit in the head. What does that do to you? Well, physically, but also mentally when you cop a pretty significant head knock playing the game.
1: Yeah, so I've, I've had a, a couple now. Um, a couple of them off the cricket field, which had just been... I hit my head on an AFL dugout before an Aussie a game and, and ruled myself out for that match. Um, but you just this... Just walked point, into it, didn't see it? No, I lifted my head thinking I was um, like out the other side and it was right. just a big metal beam that Decided to show up at that time mm. um, But this one This one was probably my worst one When I was fielding at short leg um, Obviously been I'd been hit a couple of times At short leg in the head And it's like never a fun feeling But this one like I had no idea I got hit um, I actually yeah, moved where my, did it hit you? Um, literally like right in the middle So like oh. You talk about tech, techniques When you're at short leg About like ducking Or jumping out of the way I, my my technique was to get in sort of like turtle shell and just try and stay there and hope I don't get hit. But I literally just got hit in the head and went straight up and, and we got a wicket off it. Um, but I remember just like <laughs> falling to the ground and hearing like everyone going catch, catch and like Painey had to like run over me to try and catch this ball. And I'm just like, I it was that day as I sort of stood up and was like, oh, do we get a wicket? Um, and so I've gone off and I sort of knew that I needed to try and get back out on the field um, to try and score runs to to get picked in the test match because this was the warm up match but I literally like I obviously you know how like head head knocks go but I literally had no idea what was going on and I felt like I was about to throw up every sort of 2 minutes so I was stayed in in the dark room but then it was weird after like 15 20 minutes I got up and I was like oh I'm feeling better now but they'd already Already made the decision to pull me out because of how quickly it is. But, yeah, that, that was annoying because like, I felt like I was in a really good position. I'd scored 600s in the year and it was September. So I'd already scored 600s that year. I felt in a really good spot with my cricket. And then to miss out, you sort of, then you've got to go back to shield cricket, score runs. I didn't do that. And then you sort of, you're out of the side and you're trying to struggle to find a way back in it's
0: amazing isn't it because if you're fielding it slip instead of short leg you probably maintain your position in the side and carry on
1: yeah uh, that that's one of the, another thing that annoys me like i'm i don't enjoy short no one enjoys short leg fielding but you sort of think what could have been yeah uh, if i was at even at square leg or at mid off or even silly point you just never know but that's the that's the beauty of life. You're not, you don't know what's, what's coming ahead of you.
0: So how do you, you know, do you have dark days, Matt, when you, you know, you don't seem like it, but you know, when you're back at shield level and you feel like you should have played those test matches and you, your spot's been gone and someone's doing well and all of a sudden you're back trying to make runs in shield cricket and it's not happening and, you know, is it is it a tough time? Is it a dark time as a, you know, twenty two, twenty three year old at that age to try and think how do I go about this? Is the fire still burning strongly or stronger than ever to get back into the test side?
1: Yeah, I think especially like at the end or the start of this year when I um so I got dropped from the SHIELD team and, and at that point I was like, I'd just come off big bash, it was probably the toughest one and a half months mentally and physically I've had because you literally, you play, you fly, you play, you fly. And it's that full on that you sort of go, okay, uh, I'm going to, after that I actually felt good because I, I didn't have a good first half year in shield cricket. And I've got, I'm feeling good. I feel like I can score some runs in in shield cricket. And then I got I got dropped and you sort of go, okay, like what to do now? And mm. And I remember I came in on a Monday morning after um, after the weekend off, and I just came in Monday morning. I just I was exhausted. I was mentally nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, well, what? I I just need a break. Like I I need need some time to just re- recover mentally from what had happened. And and yes, yeah, so I had a couple of weeks off there, which I don't, I didn't touch cricket. about. I didn't look at anything to do with cricket. I deleted my social media stuff. I just stayed away and just had some some time, some time with my mates and, and my family, which was really important for me at that time. And, yeah, I think that was probably – that was the toughest. I think it had been brewing for three years, like going from scoring 180 at Sydney in, in a test match to being dropped to scoring more runs, getting picked, being dropped. Like it's that – the way my four four years of international cricket had just come down to this and I was or even domestic cricket and it just it it probably got the better of me and yeah I just needed that break to to refresh myself and yeah get get back to where I wanted to be and that was enjoying come to training because for me I've never thought that cricket was a job I've always just thought it was it was something I got to was had the the privilege of doing as work but at that time, I just had no. I, I just had no yeah, desire just, to go. Yeah,
0: yeah, you were spent. Yes, that's interesting. So, another interesting moment, which I would love to chat to you about, if you're okay with this, is when you got called to South Africa to play that fourth test after the ball tampering stuff. And what was that like, Matt? You know, so your first experience is you get called in Brisbane to go to Adelaide and they announce you over the aeroplane loudspeaker that, good luck, Maddie. Pretty sure that didn't happen when you are flying into South Africa. And what was it like arriving at, you know, essentially ground zero of Cricket Australia going through the most, you know, tumultuous time in Australian cricket history?
1: Yeah, that was, that was just a weird, weird thing in itself. So... We were playing the Shield final. Like we'd we'd had a great season. I'd scored some runs in the back half of the year. Um, we were hosting the Shield final at Alan Border Field, and I woke up. So day one was washed out. Even though it was one of the sunniest days in Brisbane history, the fact that we had so much rain, the field was just absolutely stuck. Yeah. So day one was washed out. So we're getting like we're sort of at that point. We sort of know that we're pretty close because. You only needed a draw to win yeah. And the shield. So we knew we were pretty close. We just needed a couple of really good days to, to play. And I've woken up on day two and my cousin's on the couch at 7.30 watching the news. And normally he's not out of bed till um, like 10. And I'm like, what's going on, mate? And he's like, did you see what happened? I was like, no. And so he's like all over the news, just this ball tampering thing. And we're like, what's like, what's going to happen? Like, with none of us knew. So I went to went to the game. Obviously, they're talking. Was it a shock to you? Yeah, like it, it. was just weird. Like you're watching what's going on. You're like, what? What? Just doesn't make sense. And hmm. um, so we've gone to the game, and obviously everyone's talking about it. Um, all the players, and we sort of got told, guys, we've got a shield final to play. Let's stop talking about this. Um, and they got pulled aside that day, being like mate, you might need to be on a plane in a couple of days. We, we don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, we might send you over to South Africa. Um, so I was like, okay, well, that's like, I'm to, I want to try and win this Shield final. Like I've gone from nearly like potentially being dropped from the Queensland t- team to now being in the, um, winning a Shield with all these guys who like, we'd, we'd done, we'd been through so much together that year. Yeah. Um, so we end up on the last day. It rained a little bit, and we got set 130 to win. And that morning, I've been told I'm flying out that night. Um, and then they told me that if I was, I had to fly out at four o'clock, five o'clock. So I had to leave. I had to leave during the match. I was like, Yeah, wow. I'm gonna leave during the match. Like I want to celebrate with my teammates when we win the shield. Yeah. Um. And they're like, okay, if you're still batting at three, um, you don't have to go now. You can, we'll put you on a later flight. So I remember just watch, <laughs> I remember watching the clock, just being like, I'm still batting, blocking, blocking, like, oh, just leaving everything. And then three o'clock, now, I'm like, oh, like, this is the dream. And then I, was, I was sort of just, like, relaxed. I was like, okay, I don't have to worry about, like, packing. And because no one knew at this team time so i'd like been brought so through the,
0: none of your team knew.
1: none of the press knew right so i had been brought in the back door with my cricket australia bag in i had i'd fully packed um to go um so and then they sort of everyone sort of caught on at one point mm. um and then we end up winning i like we got to, i got to celebrate for a couple of hours with the team before i go to the airport and I got to the airport and I literally sat in my plane seat and I'd fallen asleep in like a minute. I don't think I made takeoff. Yeah, I was man. that exhausted just from the week of the final.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, fly Flew to Dubai and then to Joburg. And I hadn't had any phone signal from Dubai to Joburg. So I had no idea. They'd had all the, um, like all the whole press conferences, Everyone had, all the decisions had been made. I get to get to the hotel and all the players. I get brought in the downstairs, um downstairs car park and all the players are there. And they're like, did you get bombarded at the airport? I was like, No, what's what's going on? And they show me like all this when Smith got bombarded through the airport. Yeah, sure. And I was like, No, there was no cameras there. And it was it, and then from then on it was just a weird it was my birthday that day as well. So we're in a team meeting talking about what's going on. Everyone's, like, really down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, um, Frankie Demasi, the security guard, goes, Brennan, happy birthday. And I was, like, I was like, I've just come here. Like, I don't want to be one of the – and then everyone, like, sort of, oh, it's your birthday. That's awesome. Like, in is, was... but, yeah, it was the weirdest week of my life. Like, I, th- I think it has to be the strangest week of my life.
0: It's, it's got to be incredible to be it's, – it's almost – you know, kind of, kind of cool, kind of not. I suppose that it happened, but to be able to think about your first week playing for Australia and then have that week to look at as well and see them on such different ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, and I was on, I was on sleeping tablets to try and get to South the African right time zone. Then I'm on Red Bull to wake myself up. <laughs> um, so like a drinks break, I'd be like Red Bull caffeine tablets, just trying to make myself wake up. I think. That's probably one of the best weeks I've slept because I was on so many sleeping tablets trying to get to the time zone. And then, yeah, then back to Australia, like, the next week. It was was just really weird. And I don't think that I really thought that I was going to do well over there. But I knew that my job over there was the guys who I knew trying to make them comfortable and, like, just help them out because, obviously, it was been... One of the It'd toughest tough. weeks in Australian cricket for those guys as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's uh that's gotta be tough, you know, coming into you know, the bulk of the squad's still there and um I'm pretty sure they were getting beaten as well, right? So from memory. Um so getting beaten all over the place. You know, it's like it's like the tenth round and in a boxing match and you've been yeah. beaten a pillar to post. So Yeah, m- must be um Incredibly difficult to focus, you know when there's so much external noise
1: yeah it was it was full on, but like i it was one of the like things that I can think back on and and think I actually made a difference that week to some of the guys who I awesome. knew and that was my I didn't really think I was going to do well cricket wise but if I could bring what I bring to the table and that's energy a bit of fun and, and just like caring for my mates and then that was, I was fine with that.
0: Yeah. Big bash T20 cricket. You touched on how difficult that process was, you know, a six week process or whatever and how fatigued you were. Do you like it?
1: I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think obviously there's the success you have makes you enjoy it more and and less, but, it was sort of like having a different puzzle every sort of second night and you've got some of the best players in the world that you're playing against or with and you're sort of just like trying trying to prove yourself, enjoy yourself. I think that was the, I enjoyed myself a lot in terms of the batting. Obviously, it's stressful when you've got to come in and try and yeah, sure. score runs. And if you don't score runs, you, you, your team... Like when we got bowled out for 100 after being numb for 80, that was... That was a really hard night. Um, <laughs> hard night for us
0: supporters too, mate. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we
1: we knew it. I remember <laughs> walking around the the boundary as we always do, signing autographs. And there was some some not happy fans in the crowd, but most of the, most of them are like young families are great. Like they, yeah, sure. They are, all the kids are, are great. They have no idea what's going on. I remember a couple of years ago, I wasn't playing, and a kid said, "Well played tonight." I'm like. Got no idea what's going on, but
0: <laughs> yeah, but they're fans, aren't they? The fans of the game, and you know, yeah. they wear the jersey, and
1: yeah,
0: uh, you know, it's brilliant. What about um, for you personally playing T Twenty cricket? When, as you mentioned earlier, you, you know, when you first played one day cricket for Queensland, you weren't a one that you were a four day cricketer. You were a long form cricketer, and obviously, that's what's happened you know, test-wise for Australia. So how difficult is that challenge for you, Matt, being, you know, going from that format into a short format?
1: I think it's sort of, it, it's good. You just get way more freedom. Um, I think, so a lot of the practice I did when I was younger was centre wicket practice with my dad. And we'd have, we'd have sessions where I'd literally try and hit a six every ball um, so about finding ways to do things and he, like we, we still do a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, but I think I've always had the shots. I was just never big enough to to play them. So I I grew at 17. Um, I think I was, I grew nearly a seven inches in, in a year. Wow. So I never had the size that um, I do now, but I had the, the technical ability, but I just couldn't, power my way through like a lot of junior kids do yeah and then I found that power and then now it's about um being able to decide when to use different shots because I think that's probably one of the hardest parts is premeditating stuff in 2020 cricket you sort of go I've got this shot but it's not always it's a lot more reacting in 2020 cricket which is you don't have time to think too much which is great
0: yeah absolutely do you do you play Twenty Twenty cricket with a mindset of I've got a, a a shot through the offside if it's full outside full outside leg stump I've got a shot and if it's short I've got you know do you do you sort of work off you know you know three or four set sort of shots that are your real go to boundary hitting
1: shots Yeah, and you, and I think with Twenty Twenty cricket I, I remember at the start a lot of people were always like oh, it's hit and giggle, like you just got to try and hit as many sixes. But you actually – there's a lot of little tactics in there and, and field placements are a big one in, in terms of trying to work them out. So if you know a bowler's got a certain field, you know what sort of stuff he's trying to do, so you can set up for that. And um, it's a lot of on-the-go stuff, which is – it's like a little puzzle. And, and that was awesome for me last year, just trying to work out these little puzzles.
0: Does that help you then – would you think that that would then help you look at fields more in, in uh, on the test side of things as well, in the long format. You know, does it help your game in the long format too? Does it increase your stroke play, give you more shots, give you more scoring avenues?
1: Yeah, I think that the toughest part from going from big bash to, to test cricket would be the like you want to rein in your shots. Obviously you're not gonna try and hit a quick bowler over extra cover for six. It's about knowing what shots are on and and what your discipline and in, in your leaving and and your batting long periods of time is probably the big one. the
0: The leaving part of it is an interesting one for me because I think the introduction of of Test uh, cricket, oh sorry, T Twenty cricket, all of a sudden it seemed to have an impact on our, you know. Desire to score quickly in test level as well, and there was less leaving. I, I remember when you came on the scene, you know, and obviously I didn't know you at this point in time, but I was celebrating it. And I remember celebrating that very first night you played in Adelaide that we finally had an opener who would leave the ball again. You know, that's that's honest, that's honest, honest truth. I remember talking to my mates about, oh, thank gosh, Matt Renshaw knows where his off stump is in test cricket, because yeah, it felt like. There was a little period there where we needed to score runs all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that that's too much the case. I think I would have played and missed a lot in that series. Yeah. Um, which is probably, I just got a bit lucky. Like, my mate's always <laughs> talking about the fact that sure. when I not picked, I was playing and missing and now I'm nicking him. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you <know> yeah <laughs> I think that's one of the, the <laughs> things. But, no, I think obviously there's that 2020 aspect and, and players have to bounce between 2020 and test yeah, cricket sure. and one day cricket and and that's that's quite tough in itself just dealing with that um but i wouldn't say that we're trying to to score too quickly i remember watching the 2005 ashes and england scored 440 on in, on day 1 and you're just like how how are they doing that and you look back and watch it and they're just playing like pretty decent cricket shots and and the outfields are rat yeah so nice. I think it's it's a catch-22, though. Like, fans won, won big sixes and that, but then they, they also won... Like, if there's a, a game at three for 250 after day one, they're like, oh, this is boring cricket. They want <laughs> like more sixes. But that's like, that's what Test cricket's about, I think.
0: I think that's also brought, in, brought around by the fact that T20 cricket has introduced so many more people to the sport of cricket. Yeah. And so if that's their avenue towards the game... Then by the time they get to Test cricket, if they don't really know about it, you know, then it becomes that boring product to them. Yeah. Is that, is that you, a fair way to think about it?
1: Yeah, you talk, you like, you talk to people, and and they go, oh, like I don't watch watch Test cricket. I just watch that Twenty Twenty fun stuff. And it's, it's actually quite funny hearing people say that because you're like, okay, well, you don't really like cricket, then you just like entertainment. Because I think most yeah. of Twenty Twenty cricket is just. About what's on the on the big screen, what's on the like the fireworks, all that sort of thing. That like the stuff that the um, fan base love. Like they love the sixes because fireworks happen when when sixes happen. Like a little kid's not going to be like, oh, that that was a nice shot over mid on. They're like, oh, fireworks! That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, m- my young kids were in the stadium when Chris Lynn hit it out of the gather. And I, and I can tell you they didn't care about the fireworks. They they cared about the fireworks off Chris Lynn's
1: bat. That yeah, night. No, that was enormous. I wasn't there for it, but I've stood out in the middle of the gathering. <laughs> yes. I've, I've wondered how you get to the second tier, never mind out of the stadium.
0: <laughs> oh, mate. Well, there you go. Talking of that, uh, let's just do a couple of quick fire questions here. And, and I appreciate your time, Matty, so we won't I won't keep it for too much longer. Um... In the current crop of Australian cricketers, who's as a batsman, who's the guy that you look up to the most? You spoke of Marnus earlier, Steve Smith. You know what? How are you? How are you trying to become a better cricketer? And you know what sort of models do you have out there, or do, is it just yourself
1: that you? Uh, I think for me, Usman Khawaja has been really big. Yeah, great. Uh, made my debut with him. Uh, he was at the other end for my first Test innings, which is it's quite comforting having a. Yeah. I know he's New South Wales, but we know he's a Queenslander at heart. Um, but him for my cricket's been amazing as a as a person as well. I joke around that he's my life coach, but he always denies it. Um, but yeah, he's really really big for my cricket and as a bloke as well. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: What about the most difficult bowler you faced in your time? Um,
1: I think is it it's spin
0: or is it speed?
1: Um, I think Ashwin in India was probably one of the hardest things I loved it though um it was a lot of fun like facing like it's it 's a lot more fun facing a spinner because you know he can 't hit you in the head <laughs> um, and then in terms of pace bowlers um, philander with, I think that whole South African side I faced on debut were like Abbott Philander and Rabada. yeah and then I don't know, like there's different people, like some people bowling absolutely rapid and you're just sort of like wondering how you're going to get through the net or even in the game. Um, and then there's like more like the, the little nippers who bowl on a green seamer and you're like literally can't get a bat anywhere near it. And that- <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, what about someone that you haven't faced in world cricket at the moment that's still playing and then someone that is in the history analogs of world cricket that you'd love to have faced when they were, you know, in their prime? Um,
1: I think Jasper Boomer looks very difficult to face. Never faced him, never played against him. So I think he would be an interesting one to face. Yep. Just uh, because of
0: his action? It's a bit yeah. unorthodox.
1: The action, the run, I find it really interesting his run-up. I um, find it really interesting, like, stories of how people did... Do what they do. So, um, like Jasper Boomerick his um, run-up could only be quite short because he lived and it was quite a short run-up between the wall and the um, stunt.
0: <laughs> Is that right?
1: Yeah, and they even tried to lengthen his run-up. But you notice he walks like seven steps before he bowls and then starts running in at the spot where he's always run in from.
0: That's amazing. I, I found that great really...
1: Great story. Cool. Um, and then... I think someone like a really, um would be cool to face back in the day. Um, yeah. Or like, I don't, I don't think I'd enjoy it, but seeing Shoa Bakhtar or even the West Indies <laughs> from the 90s, eight, 1980s would be, it'd be fun to watch from the non-strikers end. Let's just say that much.
0: <laughs> and a very quick, no, yeah. <laughs> no you run.
1: That handle. And then I'll ask for the over, try and, try and run one.
0: <laughs> even if it goes to the keeper yeah yeah awesome all right I've got one final question for you uh, which I ask everybody who comes to my podcast if you could be any sports stars past or present for one day and live in their shoes for a day who would it be?
1: Um, I'm going to go rogue one I'm going to say Tiger Woods caddy from when he was the tiger slam because i i don't think i could be tiger because he's just too good and it would be that easy but if i was tiger's caddy i'd get to have watched like his 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 major win like if it was sunday or augusta and i'm just carrying tiger woods's bag like that i feel like that would be the dream
0: well mate you're uh There's a lot of people who've said Tiger Woods in answer to that question. So it's nice to have something slightly different. And I can tell you, you've missed, obviously missing Augusta this year when Tiger was defending, that must hurt a lot. But um, I played, I had a game of golf with Adam Scott a few weeks ago and uh, before he headed overseas and let's just hope they play the masters later in the year. And um, he said, it's still going to be amazing, you know, the way that they are and, Augusta National is, he said, there's no way they'll turn and turn it, put an event on and not have it look amazing. So, uh, it's yeah, let's hope it's uh, incredible, but let's hope uh, one of the Aussies win it instead of young Tiger. Yeah. Well, you're not on the bag anyway. So, no. there you go.
1: Well, my, my catting career is going pretty well. Um, lost one game in pennants. Um, I blame the player for that one though. <laughs>
0: Well, I did say to Scotty in my uh, podcast when he came on that I was always, always available to caddy for him at any stage when he picks up the phone. So yeah. I'll, um, next time I'm talking to him, I'll mention that Maddie Renshaw's got a reasonable repertoire as a caddy as well. So, mate, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, and I apologise again for uh, delayed over the last few weeks. I know we sort of talked about this a few weeks back, but it's great to be talking to you. And um, I certainly wish you all the very best in your cricketing um, rest of the year. And let's hope we get some cricket being played here in Australia and, and hopefully in front of some crowds at some point as well. That'll be an interesting one for you if you're having big bash games with no crowds. Do you think they'll play?
1: I, th- I think so. I think it's just going to be a bit interesting. If there's a six, you've got, you just see this guy jumping a fence and trying to get the balls.
0: From
1: <laughs> the crowd. I think it'll be quite funny watching like, Mitchell Stark jump a fence to try and pick a ball up.
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, well, mate, I wish you all the best. I hope you find, the, find the, uh, the spark and the form and get yourself back under that baggy green of yours, mate. Um, wish you all the very, very best and I look forward to catching up with you in the coming weeks out at Royal Nudgy Golf Club in Brisbane. Thanks, mate.
1: Thanks, mate. Cheers. You know-
0: what a great chat with one talented left-handed batsman, Maddie Renshaw. What's not to like about the guy he plays for Queensland, the Brisbane Heat, Australia, and of course, he's a member of Nudgee Golf Club. What a legend. My apologies for a few sound glitches in this episode. I'm still recording these episodes over Zoom internet connections due to COVID, so my apologies for a few of the sound issues. We certainly wish Maddie all the very best over the coming cricket season and we hope to see him back in the baggy green at some point i have an amazing list of guests coming your way so share the love around and don't forget to subscribe and never miss an episode thank you so much for the support from my listeners during my injury i am completely humbled by your messages of support and so so grateful that i'm well on the road to a full recovery catch you all next week team and don't forget whatever you are doing to put in the hard yards